broadcasting from just south of Los Angeles, California. This is the Veggie Power Podcast, exploring topics relating to working out, powerlifting, and everyday advice for lifting and living well. I'm your host, Dr. Ashley Contorno. All right, let's veg out. What is up, everybody? Podcast number six coming at you. It has been a month and like two days since I released my last podcast. This has been the longest hiatus. But I guess as everyone uses the excuses of the holidays, it is a little hard to get everything done during that time. So I have a lot to fill you guys in on over the past month. I don't know where to start. I guess we got a new addition to our family. Uh, We were trying to adopt a dog that was like basically the identical twin of our bulldog boxer that we have. It had the same name. It had the same surgery at the same time ours did ACL surgery. Uh, Same coloring, same everything. Uh, And so we were calling her Nova 2. I've been pining over her for months. We wanted to foster her. And then we were looking to adopt her and we went to go see her and they told me she has stranger danger, but unfortunately she was like kind of vicious. I don't know how to describe it. Like if you look into her eyes, she would attack you. And I mean, I believe that every dog deserves a home and this one does as well, but it just wasn't a good fit for our house because we are so social and, you know, I walk the dogs to the gym, all the dogs are at the gym and we can't have a dog that can't interact with the public like that. So on the way home from visiting with that dog, I made Steven take me to the pound and I saw the most charming little boy named Sammy and we adopted him. So it was meant to be and he's literally the easiest dog I've ever met in my entire life. He's two. He just sits at your side and heals. He poops and pees outside. He doesn't bark. I don't know what to say. It's like a gift. But also, we have had some struggles with our senior dog named Meadow. He is a golden retriever who my husband has had since he was a pup pup. And we thought he was exhibiting some old man behaviors and it ended up We took him to the vet and he has a mass on his spleen, which we found out is really common, but um, it causes micro bleeds and then he gets anemic and then he gets tired and then he kind of bounces back. The next day after we took him to the vet, he had a blood clot and had a stroke and got all fucked up. And it was like the same day we adopted Sammy. So our house was a little crazy and, but he's resolving, he's coming out of it. He's getting better from his stroke. So every day that we have him now, cause we were thinking about putting him down is a blessing. We also went on a vacation to Hawaii for eight days and holy shit, that place is everything everybody says it is. It's fucking fantastic. We went to the big island and we did everything there was to do. And it was just, I didn't work the whole entire time. I came back feeling so refreshed 
and ready to tackle work and life, whereas I was feeling a little annoyed by everyone and everything before. So I guess that's like when you truly know you need a vacation, right? (laughs) It's when you're just at your wit's end, but I am so glad we did it. If you ever had the chance to go to Hawaii, it is fucking bomb.com. We, Team Veggie, had a meet at Threshold in Ontario, and I had six lifters and another adopted son, so kind of seven. We took somebody under our wing. It kind of always happens that way. You see somebody that's just like absolutely lost, and it's like, come here, kid. We're going to help you. And um, all of my lifters on Team Veggie all took first place in their categories. It was like fucking blow your pants away. Amazing. Um, one of my clients, Veronica, she broke all of the master's records, squat, bench, and deadlift, and total. So she owns them all now. Come and get her. And just everybody did so successful. This was a lot of their first meets. And you know they felt confident in trusting me as their coach and their handler. And just, you know, even though the meat conditions were 100% not ideal, there was way too many people there. They signed up way too many lifters. The space for warming up and the athlete area was just probably the worst I've ever seen, honestly, which sucks. But we made it happen and they all came through and performed. And words cannot begin to express how proud of everybody I am for that meat. One last update for in the veggie news is this past weekend, we had a party at the gym, push-pull party that I had been, you know, blasting you guys with for weeks and weeks. We had like 40 some people signed up and I think 32 people ended up participating in the meet and holy shit. We've had a lot of events at the gym. I love having events at the gym. We've had a lot of deadlift parties, some Halloween parties, just some other stuff. And we plan on having more in the future. And like just the energy at this party was like nothing I've ever experienced. I just like, I still am on a high from how great the event went. I get a little nervous every time we have these events because I plan and do all of it myself. Um, Not that I'm bad at delegating. I like doing it, but it also is like, you know, that nervous, excited energy of you want your work to look good. And like, it was just so much fun. Like so many people hit PRs and the vibe was just fucking lit. So if you've never been to our gym in general, or if you've never gone to one of our parties next time we have them, you fucking should. I am going to start over this series of squat, bench, and deadlift. I've done it twice now where I do seminars for a day, um, like four hours. Um, I usually charge 40 bucks and I break down everything and you will walk away from there a learned and skilled master of the technique of the lift. Um, I think I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it in order this time, squat, bench, deadlift. And I'm going to start the first weekend in February, I think. So I'm going to post that probably this week. So I don't really have a real entitled theme for this podcast. Nobody, not that I count on you guys for ideas, but I want to, you know, talk about what you guys want to hear. I've got a lot of shorter talking points or ideas that aren't necessarily full length feature, but 
One of the biggest themes from the questions I post to you guys and asking for, you know, ideas for what my next episode should be is a lot of people wanted some help with motivation. And I do have a lot of things I can talk about with that. So that's probably going to be the majority of this podcast. Um, Motivation around me, training, injury, aging, you know, training environment, all of that stuff. And then I'm going to, depending on how long I jibber jab, get into some other topics that you guys gave to me. So I get this question actually a lot, um, like, you know, in the gym, outside of the gym and, you know, people asking me personally, like, how do I stay motivated? And honestly, I think about it this way. Motivation can only last so long. Like you could be motivated to diet when the first of the year comes around and then by the 30th of January, your motivation dwindles or you could be really motivated to, you know, do that thing you've been wanting to do, but you kind of gave up on it. So the difference in my opinion of someone who can stick with something successfully is not necessarily the factor of being motivated for it. You have to have an internal desire and fire in your belly for it. And that is how you cultivate success. You can consider, you know, weightlifting or being in the gym a hobby and it's like something that is ingrained in your routine. But if you're trying to really advance your skills, you know, from a powerlifting or bodybuilding perspective, it takes a little bit more. You can't just kind of be lazy and go to the gym when you want and just do a little bit here and a little bit there and, you know, really advance in those sports. So how do you get that kind of motivation? That's what I'm talking about. And I kind of want to, you know, in the, to quote Bama Burr, the champion mindset here. You don't really see, you know, the bigger names in the sport of powerlifting or bodybuilding doing other things outside of their sports. Like you don't see a professional bodybuilder also being a cyclist and doing dance classes and, you know, other things. Maybe, you know, having a family and having a job is one thing, but in order to truly pursue a goal, there has to be a part of you that lets other interests die. And I know that sounds weird, but I'm talking about if you want to be the best of the motherfucking best. So for example, when I was prepping for Bossa Bosses, like there was nothing that could get in my way from going to the gym and training and hitting every single rep of every single set and every single number that I needed to fucking do. Like I wake up and the first thing I think about is how am I going to plan my day around training? It is just that important to me that fire in my belly is burning so hot that I can't think of anything else besides my performance on that day and what is the steps I'm going to do to get there and how are all the other people that I'm going to compete against, how are they doing? Are they performing? They're not probably sleeping in. They're not missing days. So that's kind of how I look at it from my perspective, but A lot of people feel like they need this external force to help perpetuate their wheel of momentum. It can be in the form of a goal or a meet or, um, you know, like some kind of crescendo, right? And I feel personally, I know 
and I've identified within myself that my motivation or desire is not as hot if I am not preparing for something or if I don't have even, you know, a short-term and or a long-term goal. So you don't necessarily have to always have a goal of a meet or, you know, a number you want to hit or something like that. But if you're the kind of person that cannot stay motivated without something to reach for, then there's your answer. You need something to reach for, even if it's a small, like a mock me or something like that. Or you set a day for yourself three months from now where you're going to test your one rep max. And it doesn't need to be this big production where you, you know, sign up for a meet, spend the money, all that stuff. It can be something that's for you. But if you feel like without a goal in view that you just want to give up, then there's your answer. You need to just give yourself a goal. So if you are injured, that can heavily change your motivation or desire. I don't even like using the word motivation. I like using the word desire um, because for me, that term feels like it comes from a deeper place of want than motivation makes me feel like it's from a superficial place of short-term need. So when you're injured, it can definitely, it can be crippling. I have athletes that I train. I have athletes that I treat and, you know, dealing through an injury, working through an injury while you're trying to still reach your goals can be very, very, very frustrating. So how do you handle that. In my opinion, I feel like if iron is in your blood and stopping going to the gym and missing the gym is not an option for you, then that's okay. I am on that page and I agree. Then you need to figure out what it is you can do around that injury that's not going to be exacerbating. If you, now like if your fucking femur's broken, like that's a little bit of a different story. I'm talking about you know, strains and more minor injuries or nagging injuries, or maybe even something that's acute, that's a little bit more problematic, but not something that's like an orthopedic, you know, surgical intervention is needed. I think that you need to go into the gym and figure out what movements, whether they may be different from the things you were doing before. So you might have to stop the current plan that you're on and start addressing maybe this will be the time that you do all of those little things that nobody ever wants to do, like work on those little teeny weaknesses that you have, work on those areas that are tight and work on your stretching. So maybe you can't do squats because you really, really, really hurt your knee, but you have no problem doing upper body. You have no problem deadlifting. So Maybe on the day that you're supposed to squat, you go into the gym and you use the entire time you would have been at the gym squatting to do mobility work, you know, small accessory work that's not exacerbating, things like that. If you have a small injury and it's just something that's been nagging and nagging, you know, a month, two months, three months, six months, whatever, you know, that lingering shoulder pain that keeps coming every time you do incline bench. If you haven't gone to someone who knows what the fuck they're doing to check it out, and I don't mean going to your primary care physician because they don't know what the fuck they're talking about when it comes to orthopedic issues. Now, there's probably exceptions to that rule, but nine times out of 10, they tell you to take Tylenol and stop fucking lifting. 
um, you know, a physical therapist, sometimes an athletic trainer, uh, an orthopedic doctor, all of those people can assess you musculoskeletal and see what is going on, where the, you know, impairment is and give you strategies to fix it and, or work around it and also help maintain the other areas of mobility and strength around that injury. So if you're just, you know, you're getting frustrated because you cannot progress on your bench because you have this injury that keeps inhibiting you from getting stronger and that decreases your motivation, then it's time to really assess where you're at. You spend all this time and energy in the gym working on yourself. Why the fuck wouldn't you spend time and energy figuring out what's going wrong that's stopping you from progressing? Uh, you know, whether it's a hundred bucks, whatever it is, like I charge a hundred dollars for an evaluation, which is fucking cheap for a cash-based physical therapist. And I tell people exactly like it is. I help them understand what's going on. I show them charts. I show them models. I will touch them and explain to them, like, this is the muscle that's impaired. This is usually why it happens. This is how you can fix it. This is what I'm going to do today to help you. This is what you can do to help you. And this is what it should look like over the next couple weeks. And if it's not getting better, then we might need to reassess. But a lot of times people go into doctor's office and, or WebMD and, you know, they get a, a general description of, oh, you have shoulder impingement and, you know, not learning exactly what's going on with your body or not speaking with someone who understands weightlifting movements. Um, you know, oh, your AC joint hurts. Okay. Well then you need to do safety squat bar because low bar squatting is putting more pressure on stress on that joint. So it's like, get with someone who knows their shit, help them or to help you look at your injury work around it so that way your motivation just doesn't die and you don't feel hopeless in, you know, the injury that you do have. I'm going to stray a little off my motivation topic and kind of stay on injuries for a second. Someone was asking like what the frequency of body work would be for lifters. So prehab is just as important as rehab. Instead of waiting or, you know, instead of only getting seen by someone when you have an injury, it is 100% advised to get your body some work. It's like an oil change on your car. Your car is not necessarily the check engine light isn't on, but you still change your oil as maintenance. Your body needs the same thing, especially if you're putting a lot of stress with powerlifting and bodybuilding that you could use some soft tissue work to just maintain joint mobility and things that you can't achieve just with stretching or also have someone who's a little bit more knowledgeable who may see some potential problems that could happen down the road due to some maybe imbalances or something like that. I say at minimum once a quarter, so that's four times a year. Um, I see some people once every two weeks who are some heavy lifters. I see people, you know, once a month, it kind of just depends on your needs and how your body reacts to lifting. I wouldn't just go to get a massage. Um, most people who have their massage license or certificate rather, they are, um, not skilled clinicians or practitioners when it comes to assessing and diagnosing, nor do they understand, uh, arthrokinematics, which is like the way the joints move and things like that. So that's just like a foo-foo feel good. Um, I would go to, you know, uh, sports 
you can get a sports orthopedic massage therapist or a physical therapist will help you address those problems. And that could be, you know, a potential goldmine of making sure your body is healthy so that you don't run into an injury so that you don't lose, you know, your motivation and desire for lifting. A lot of times I see people who keep trying to push through weightlifting, whether they're injured or whether they just don't have a goal and they kind of feel helpless or they finish their program and they're like, now what? And then they kind of start to not enjoy the gym. And I always tell people, you know, or if you're in school and you're having trouble with the work-life balance and you just going to the gym becomes more of a chore than a joy, then that's the time when you need to reassess what you're doing. Um, and I mean that in the sense as far of like, don't stop working out. But if you're, I say this to my clients specifically as an example, you know, my clients pay me $150 a month. That's not I'm not cheap. I know that. And I'm worth it because I give them so much. But if someone isn't able to give me their all, I don't feel like it's fair for them to pay me that amount of money, you know, to not even want to be doing the plan. And then at that time, it's like, okay, maybe I need to take a couple months off, just do some weird ass bodybuilding.com shit and, you know, find what it is I want to do and what is going to fuel my desire as far as going to the So back to motivation. And now we're a motivated lifter who's in their program. You know, maybe you're in me prep and you're gearing up for your heavy fucking squat day. And it's like, how how do you motivate yourself for that? Well, I also, I feel like there's no universal stamp for this. And the way I've motivated myself has changed. But... I like to look at other people that are in the same strength category as me and weight class as me and look at what they're squatting and benching and deadlifting and just tell myself like, bitch, you better be as fucking strong as them because you're about to compete with those motherfuckers. A lot of people don't get the luxury of like seeing exactly who their direct competition is or knowing, you know, who their competition is ahead of time. But I like to think of that. I like to think of other times I've lifted successfully. Like say I'm approaching the bar that has 405 pounds on it. And I get maybe like a little bit of fear. And I'm like, bitch, you've fucking done this a thousand times. Like I might even hop on Instagram and watch a video of myself squatting over 400 pounds. Like as reassurance, like you can do this. You've done this before. You can do this. And... Like knowing it's okay to fail also helps, but I used to be a super, super hyphy lifter. Well, actually when I started powerlifting, I was a super smiley lifter. I could never be angry, never be mad. And I'd just get into the bar and I'd be all smiling and I'd be like, this is so much fun. And then I actually started taking it more serious. And then I was like, all right, I need to fucking channel fire and fury and fucking be angry and, you know, go into the depths of hell to fucking get that squat. And that's fine. You can think that. And, um, but I used to kind of get like real amped up. Like I would like start screaming and yelling and like slapping myself in the chest, in the face, all that stuff. And then I'd go into the bar. By the time I'd get under the bar, I kind of wasted a lot of energy and my breathing pattern was off. So it was a little harder for me to take my air to get under that bar. 
So over the past year, after I was training with um, Instagram less Brent, I changed that. Instead of taking all that external heat and kind of fucking huffing and puffing and yelling and screaming, I keep it in. And I might have some self-banter and self-dialogue where I'm like calling myself a motherfucking cunt and a motherfucking bitch and saying like, motherfucker, you better fucking get the shit or your motherfucking pussy ass is going to fucking die. That's all going on in my head. But outwardly, I'm calm, cool, and collect, and I'm taking that energy into my lift instead of blowing off steam externally before I even get under the bar. And that has really, really helped me. So it's not that I need to be motivated to do a lift. It's that I'm focusing my energy to be able to perform the lift. So one of the things that is huge, 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 huge for motivation, desire, all of that is where are you training? So it's big fucking squat day and you're going to LA shitness and you know, they're the, they have one squat rack and one Smith machine and you're fucking waiting for the squat rack, you know, with the hex plates and the shitty Chinese bar for 30 minutes. And it's like, all right, you know, I'm waiting, blah, blah, blah. So finally you get under and you're about to do your set, you know, and then up oh, a fucking commercial comes on for like, you know, their weight loss supplement that they're trying to fucking pitch you or, you know, buy two personal training and get one three free. Thank you, LA Fitness. Training environment is everything. Um, I don't know if you've ever stepped foot in South Bay Strength Co. or if you've seen our shit online. Like people go in there and they hit PRs and they're like, holy fuck. Um, and a lot of it is because of the environment. Like, I love that gym so much that I want to train. Just knowing that that's my gym fuels me to fucking go in there and push and give it my everything. Uh, there was a short period of time where we had to close the gym for three weeks while we were remodeling our bathrooms. And Steven and I, we got a day pass to Crunch Fitness that just opened up in Long Beach. And like day one, it was already like, oh, fuck. Like n- like the manager was like walking around like, no gym bags on the floor. And uh, like just everything fucking sucked about it. No clips, um, only bumper plates for deadlifting. And it was just like one hit after another of like, taking my my motivation, I guess, and just knocking it down a peg, knocking it down a peg, knocking it down a peg. And I'm just like, fuck, this place is so fucking shitty that I don't even want to be here. We didn't even end up working out for those three weeks because there's no other place that just will do. And, you know, a lot of it is the equipment. The equipment to train on makes a huge difference, like the bars and the benches and all of that. But, you know, being in an environment where you can't go in there and do what you want, if you want to yell and scream and put chalk on and, you know, slap your back and then you're not worried about anything because you can do what you came there to do. Whereas in another place, like if you fucking, if you were in crunch fitness and you were like, fuck yeah, motherfucker, I'm about to do this fucking deadlift, like you'd probably get kicked out. So if you find yourself consistently 
not being able to get hyped or excited about like your big heavy days, it could be that you're in a stale fucking environment and also like having other people around you that are doing like-minded things. Um, you know, finding a powerlifting gym if you're a powerlifter, being with other bodybuilders, even though you guys all don't talk at each other, you just look at each other and judge. Um, like just having the presence of other people who are on the same path really helps. If you don't have a training partner, a lot of times having a training partner, having someone else to be accountable for and, you know, two for time, energy, effort, all that is a great way to increase your motivation because then you have something else outside of you that is going to help you, you know, achieve your goals and make sure that you're doing it as well. And my last kick about motivation is maybe it's just time for a change. Like maybe you've been doing, you know, someone's programming, whether it's your own or a coach or a template. And like, maybe you're just bored. Like maybe it's time to change styles or, you know, even if it's the same kind of style, just a different program that will, you know, refresh your invigoration for lifting. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I have a lifter who told me that, you know, the program that he was on before, although it was working and successful for a long time, he just felt like, you know, unmotivated. And it, sometimes it can just get boring doing the same thing. And he is now my client and he said he's, you know, felt a newfound motivation a little bit. And that's amazing to hear. And it might've been me and my style, or it could have just been the change in general can help, you know, get you excited again. So it's very, very easy to be motivated when you have a meet, you know, you already picked your meet day. It's four months from now. And you know that, you know, 12 weeks out, you start your meat prep. So you're fucking ready. And you know, you got your countdown going, you're looking at the calendar, you're looking online, like when does registration open? I'm so excited. So easy to stay motivated, right? Well, guess what? Meat was April 15th. It's April 16th. You have the platform high. Oh my God. You're like, this was amazing. I can't wait to do this again. I'm looking online for more meats. And then you like, pick your next meet. And it's like October, December. And it's like, oh fuck. That's like eight months away. But I'm excited. It's all right. I just did this meet. It's amazing. And then like a month and a half goes by. And then it's like, shit. It's the off season. So how do you stay motivated? I call that, you know, post meet high and low because there's definitely not, it doesn't happen to everybody. Um, Some people get, or they call it what's called the post meet blues, where, you know, after that high and exhilaration of performance on the platform, hitting PRs, you know, just the camaraderie and the sport of powerlifting or the stage with bodybuilding and, you know, the catharsis of all that work and all that preparation for one day. And then you're so high and then you go into this emotional low because it's over. Now what? You know, who am I? What am I doing? And where's my my drive for what's next? Well, this is where I feel like it is important that you set up an environment and people to help you and also to keep in mind what your overall goal is. So maybe the post meet 
is when you really need to work on a new program with your coach, something that's going to get you excited about lifting, or maybe you need to take, you know, two weeks off and feel that itch again to get back into the gym. But sometimes it can be hard. And also your hormones do change, you know, having all of those hormones and chemicals of, you know, you stress and, you know, negative and positive stress in your body have an effect on your cortisol and all of that. So just wait it out and just kind of take a step back. Maybe you need a mentor or a friend to kind of help you get through the post-meet blues or the lull that you have in between when your meet was and, you know, then your off season starts until you can get excited when the meet is in the near future again. One thing I wanted to just as a cautionary tale, um, as I'm sick right now doing this podcast, I hope I don't sound too nasally. Um, a lot of people get sick after their meat. Post-meat sickness is a real deal because you're in a pretty vulnerable state um, immunity-wise because of all of the stress you put your body on. It kind of opens up the door for sickness. So just be aware that after a meat, your body does need time to recover, like physically, emotionally, mentally, all of that. So take care of yourself and so that way you don't have an injury or anything like that and you can get back on the platform again. People have asked me what is a good meet frequency. I feel like this all kind of ties in together. In my opinion, two times a year um, is like ideal. Uh, three times a year is a little bit pushing it and it also depends on the lifter. I would say a more elite lifter can probably handle more competitions, but also an elite lifter, it's a little bit harder on your body. Um, a novice lifter in the same respect, maybe your first meet, you just do a walk on to get experience and then you do two serious meets and actually prepare and peak and do all of that. But in my opinion, two meets a year, you know, spaced out gives you time to have a refractory period where you can recover work on deficits, get stronger, and, you know, start the cycle over again to prepare for a meet. So strategically planning your meets is important. Um, I give most of my lifters an eight-week meet prep. And if you think about what day the meet is and then subtract eight weeks and look at the calendar, it's important to see at what time of the year that is and is this something that could be inhibiting your prep? When you're in me prep, in my opinion, if you're a serious athlete, like no vacations, no parties, no fucking big life events should be going on at that time because your number one focus should be preparing for this meet outside of your work and your family, then it's gym. Sometimes it could be in a different order, okay? But a lot of people... Pick, you know, oh my God, I want to do this meet January 5th. Cool. Guess what? You're prepping during Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's. So if you're a person who travels during the holidays, who has a huge family or has a lot of family events with a lot of different eating things, and, you know, are you like drinking a lot during those times of the year? Probably not the best meat to do. Um, you know, if you live in fucking... Florida and you, I want to do my meet fucking September 1st. That sounds great. 
guess what? You're prepping through the hottest months of the year. Do you really want to do that? Is your body ready for that? Are you going to be able to handle that? So it's like, just kind of consider, don't just look at the date on the board. Consider other elements so that you can be the most successful so that nothing gets in your way of your motivation to be the best on your meet day. So I wanted to make a quick aside about handling at meets. What is a handler? Being handled. What does that even mean? Sounds like domestic violence. It might be. But um, so having a handler at a meet is someone who is designated, whether it's a friend, lifting partner, coach, that is basically your bitch for the day. When you're doing your powerlifting meet, you want to expend as little energy as possible in like racking and re-racking weights, stressing out about time, and all of those things. So this should be someone who has experience in the sport so they understand when you need to start warming up, how many warm-ups you should take, when you should be ready, when you're next, all that. So your job is to lift, warm up, lift nine times on the platform, eat, shit if you need to, and fucking chill. And that's it. And um, I don't handle all of my athletes locally. I try to go to as many meets as I can and within reason, but there are some that I may not attend. So I like to give my athletes a plan. Um, I even have a plan when I'm there with them. I have a decision tree that if you want it, DM me or email me and I can email it to you. I will give it out for free. I made it and it's the most amazing thing ever. It basically is like um, a dichotomous tree where it's like bench opener. Was it easy or was it hard? If it was easy, you go this way. If it was hard, you go this way and yada, yada, yada for all three attempts. So that way, um, whether I'm there or not, the lifter knows beforehand the game plan. And sometimes the third attempt, it's like YOLO or, you know, whatever. But you're not just walking up to the platform like, I don't know what's next. Um, And your handler can have that piece of paper and help you with it. One of the most important things on meet day is timing. Um, Making sure you are appropriately warmed up at the right time and when it's your time to go on the platform. Um, If you're using wraps, timing is everything to make sure you're not wrapped too early or too late. And... I myself timed out on a squat um, at the Kern U.S. Open two years ago because my um, handler and I did not get the timing correct for my reps, and I my 60 seconds were gone, and that was it. <laughs> so, um, and a mistake I made at that meet was I didn't even get to squat that number. I should have went in the back, taken that number, and then gone up to the platform and be ready um, because like 30 minutes had gone by by the time I got to my third squat from my first squat. And um, I was just cold. So it was, you know, that's something that a good handler would have recommended or, you know, I didn't have the insight, but now I have the hindsight to have known that. But if you have any more questions on handling or what a handler is, um, Usually for my veggie babies, we have like a fucking group of people because we're a big family and we roll deep and I just delegate tasks like you help this person, you help this person, you help this person. And then I like to be on the platforms with my athletes calling their numbers because I'm really good at, um, you know, making decisions on what I see. 
But what if you don't have a handler? What if you're traveling to a meet that's in another state and nobody can come with you? I would recommend a few things. One is I actually had this happen with a client of mine who's in South Carolina. It was her first meet and she's like, holy shit, I have no one. What the fuck am I going to do? Can you fly out here, please? I'll fly out here, please. And, um, so the powerlifting community is a wonderful community in the sense that they, we love helping each other. There's no such thing as a successful powerlifter that did it alone. So I went on that gym's website and I found some people, not their website, their Instagram. And I messaged some people and we ended up kind of connecting her and she connected with some people who train at that gym and, you know, she made some friends. It all worked out anyways, but I would recommend finding other power lifters that lift out of the gym that you're going to have that meet at and like start making friends. Be like, Hey, I'm fucking, I'm going to this meet and I have nobody. Do you have anybody you think that could help me out a little bit? And we like, I don't know many people in the powerlifting community that fucking suck that would say, no, have fun doing it on your own. Um, I mean, unless I'm looking through rose-colored glasses at the world, I really think that, you know, people in this community bend over backwards to help one another. Um, the other thing I would do is have a distinct plan of your warm-up attempts so that you're not stressing on meet day. You have everything, you know, set out and you are just ready to go with, I'm doing this many warm-ups at these weights before I go on. Um Obviously, it you should not be traveling and going alone for your first meet, but if you have experience, it shouldn't be and wouldn't be, you know, the worst thing in the world. Um, I'm doing the Sisterhood of Strength meet in New York in May, and Stephen, my husband, will be pretty deep in his bodybuilding prep at that time. And at first I was like, uh, I don't know if he's going to come. I need to learn how to wrap myself, but I think he's going, but even if he doesn't, honestly, I'm just going to throw it out there and like ask. I know that there's a lot of people that are attending this meeting, go to this meeting, be like, Hey, well, you know, somebody help me, even if it's like, you know, just helping me with loading and unloading and, you know, stuff like that as I'm getting ready to step on the platform. But that's how you make friends. The internet is amazing, right? So I think I'm going to end there. I do have a couple more questions, but I'm probably going to save them for my next episode because I actually figured out how to see how long I'm talking. I went on some garage band forums and I'm like, listen, I'm an idiot. Please help me. And now I can see that I've been talking for 43 minutes. Whereas before I'm like, I have no idea how long I've been jabbering. So I think this is a good ending place. Hopefully my next episode I will have, I feel like this was actually kind of concise and direct and I kind of stayed on a few topics. Um, so if you have anything you want me to talk about, um, a lot of people keep asking me for like stretches and shit, but hello, this is a fucking podcast. I can't show you how to stretch through my voice, although that would be cool. But um, I do, again, want to say thank you. I'm continuously humbled with all of the positive responses I get from these episodes that I've done. Um, I have to date like 3,500 downloads of these five episodes, and it just makes me want to shit my pants, and I think it's so fucking cool. And thank 
each and every one of you for listening to me and, you know, giving me the opportunity to share some of my knowledge and also my personal anecdote and advice, you know, in the sport that I love so much. Um, someone asked me the other day, what would I do if I couldn't power lift? And my, I had to think about it for a while and I honestly would feel like it would be a part of me died and I would have to mourn for a while. Um, Iron is in my bud. I've been weightlifting for 16 years, uh, powerlifting for three, bodybuilding for four. And like, I cannot see a future version of Ashley that doesn't lift in some capacity, um, whether it's just in the gym or whatever. But right now, my desire is powerlifting. And my desire might shift to extreme sports and fucking, or strongman or something like that. Just to, in summation, find something that lights the fire in your belly. Find the kerosene to your belly fire and fucking torch it up, man, and just drive after that. Because if you have to keep telling yourself this is what you want to do and convincing yourself that this is the plan, then maybe it's time to reevaluate that plan. So thank you guys, as always, for listening. And veg out. Bye-bye.